Welcome back to another FACT podcast. I'm Dr. Fred Clary, founder of Functional Analysis Chiropractic Technique. And today in this brief episode, we're going to cover the beginnings, or at least the introduction, to the concept of multi-year training or multi-year programming. So what is multi-year programming? What is multi-year preparation and sports training? That is where the Soviets back in the 1950s were studying the physiology of athletic achievement. They saw the Olympic Games and athletics as another propaganda tool of the state. And they wanted to make sure they beat the Americans, they beat the Westerners all the time. So they began to study, wait a minute, how do we get stronger, faster, have more endurance? How do our athletes take more gold medals at world championships and the Olympics? Because they're not approved that our system of government is the strongest. Yes, that is exactly what they try to do in their propaganda efforts. Not that we didn't do any of the same things, but that was some of the propaganda efforts that they used. And what they did in the 1940s and 50s, right after World War II, so from about 46 into the 50s, they were tired of getting beat. They were beaten by, you know, many Western um, countries. As they started studying, how can we put together a program to develop the athlete to win? How can the athlete become a tool, and I want to use the word puppet, a puppet of the state, and how to take human physiology to its maximum performance. So that's pretty amazing. So they did a lot of good research on sports performance, how our nervous system, how our muscles' tendons uh, react. So most of this, this data that we have now, and it's the year 2019 now, but most of the data we have now is based on information that came out in the 50s, 60s, 70s, and 80s some information they were working on how the body works through different routines. And this routines or programming would start very young. And they figured out exactly what age to start someone swimming or weightlifting or playing soccer or track and field. And we're talking young. We're talking that they would take kids as young as 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11 years of age. There's actually charts and studies. Now, these are all academic and scientific studies. There's actually charts and studies where, well, you know, if you start a a boy at age 13, 14 and weightlifting, that's too old. Um, They won't hit their maximum performance. It's too late. So these are some of the things that they were figuring out. And now how does that apply to us? Well, if you look at, you look at Western, I mean, you could even look at the Canadian hockey system. Those kids start on skates with a stick in a hand before they can walk. So, you know, a lot of people said, well, everyone, the Soviets have an advantage because they're pros, even though they're supposed to be amateurs. Pro meaning that their number one function, you know, nine to five, all day, all week long, is to do sport. Well, it's pretty similar in other countries, too. And we actually have better food, better recovery, and better facilities for lifting, working out, doing your sport, better ice rinks, better tracks, all that. So I always thought the, uh, the complaint that the Soviet athletes, their amateur athletes were pros, was kind of bunk back in the 70s and 80s because I'm like, nah, we have everything here too. We actually have a better way of life. Yeah, you know, some of our kids have to go to school, but a lot of them are homeschooled. If you follow what goes on, for my example, the Canadian hockey, junior hockey, 
I mean, those kids are basically homeschooled. They do their homework on the bus on the way to the next um, game. So all that being equal, what is multi-year sports preparation? And I'm even going to break it down. And it, what it really means is you look at your training sessions in a macro cycle, a meso cycle, and a micro. Now let's explain that. Macro cycle is what am I attempting to do this year or the next two or three years? What am I building? And then a meso would be down. What am I trying to do this year? Am I training for the nationals? Am I training for the state meet? Am I training just to, for this big game? And a micro cycle would be how you're programmed throughout the week and the month down to what you do that day. So in previous uh, episodes, we talked like the Bulgarians, they would really control their micro cycles, meaning that how, how they train that day sometimes varied. How much weight you use varied according to how you felt. The Russians, of course, would, would write out their 12, 16, 24-week cycles in preparation, and it was in phases. The first part was, you know, getting in shape, general physical preparation, um, GPP. And then the, mid, the uh, middle of the, that 12-week or 16-week cycle, you know, you're starting to get the nervous system used to heavy weights. And by toward the end, you're peaking or tapering as they use in other sports like swimming. So, yeah, tapering just like they use in so many other, uh, other sports. Um, let me briefly talk about tapering and talk about uh, um, other methods of peaking. If you really think about it, what are you trying to do with um, peaking? The idea is to train the central nervous system up into your contest, your match, your meet, up until you want peak performance. You want to lift the most, run the fastest, run the farthest, you know, you, you throw the shot put the most. Whatever you're trying to do, you want to go up until that time and you want to... Um, be able to perform your best at the meet. And to hit that physical peak, there's no way to sustain it. The human body can't sustain, you know, that type of physical preparation and peak um, 100% of what your body can give at the time for very long without breaking down. The nervous system breaks down, the muscles break down, tendons, ligaments, um, mental health. It's just really hard to hold that peak. It's physiologically impossible. Now, you can get close, 90, 95% you can hold for a long time. But to be ever to, to be peaked at your best, um, that's really tough. That's really tough to be at 100% um, all the time. The body just doesn't work that way. So what, what people would do is programmed overtraining programmed overtraining. They would push themselves where they're, they're breaking down the, the last couple weeks before a contest to meet. They're breaking down physically, emotionally, not big injuries, but just, you know, worn out. And then they take a week off, 10 days off of real light conditioning. The body rebounds and bounces back and it'll overcompensate like a rubber band. And hopefully on the day of your contest, you're physically the best you ever were. Now, that doesn't work in like yeah, sports where you have 20 games in a season. That doesn't work when, you know, baseball, 162 games. I mean, come on. You know, football, I think they have four preseason games, so it's 20 games. So that you would take those type of cycling different, how you would peak, how you would try to maintain at 
Um, that we'll cover in uh, another episode. Today is just an introduction to your personal champion school. And of course, a disclaimer, if you got anything wrong with you, um, physiological symptoms, whatever, please, please go see your trainer, your medical doctor, your chiropractor, osteopath, certified midwife. Get things checked out before you get a piece of paper out and just start going crazy. Um, it's always good to have a coach or someone on an eye on what you're doing to make sure you're not injuring yourself. Because part of this training is avoiding injury while increasing performance ever so slightly week in, week out. That is the goal, is that constant move upward. But that slope, that angle is not a straight line. What the Russians found out in the 50s and 60s and 70s, and I'm sure they experimented on a lot of people under threat of going to the gulag, um, what they found is that you peak and then you go down. You peak and go down. Some of modern um, programming today will include a deload, or a day you just take off, you go 50%. Instead of benching 400, you're benching 200, and it's easy. It's a recovery day. A recovery day is the word we used to use in the 70s and 80s. You just put a day in for recovery or a week for recovery. Now, some of uh, the Russians and Bulgarians would kind of automatically put this type of, quote-unquote, deload into it. Um, I like the Bulgarian method where it's more intuitive. You know when you have to deload. If your deload's two weeks away and you're sore and you're crabby and you got elbow hurting, your knee hurting, your back hurting just a little bit, not enough to slow you down, but you know, it's hurting, and then you need to deload now. You need to get some rest now. And if you're feeling fantastic and you look at your schedule and you have a deload coming up next week, and I'm like, wait a minute, you know, I just hit my, I hit two PRs in a row and I'm still feeling great. Well, maybe you shouldn't deload yet. So what I'm saying is, you know, when you look at these, these training systems and programs, you have to apply them to yourself. Okay, am I getting enough sleep? Am I getting enough rest? If you just had two PR weeks in a row and, you know, you just had Thanksgiving and ate all day and sat around and laid around and had two, three, four, five days off of work, you know, because us in the West, we work. And well, now in the East, they have to work too. The Russians have to work too. So, you know, they're having some trouble um, figuring some things out. The money's not in the system as it used to be. But if you just had three or four or five days off of work, um, you'll probably be able to handle another 100% week the following week. If it's a deload, you're wasting the recovery time you already had. Likewise, if you're supposed to be doing a PR, on this week at 100% or 95% and your kids were up sick and, you know, you were dealing with some illness in the family, mom's sick, grandma's sick, you had to go to the nursing home, you had to move, you changed jobs, um, you and your uh, uh, significant other are arguing, whatever, you know, social, emotional, physical upset there is, you had the flu, you had a cold, that's usually the ones that I see most of the time. And when I'm working with my clients, I'm always shifting their, uh, their programs because you had a, a little upper respiratory tract infection, you had a cold, you had the flu. That changes everything. You can't recover and sick. You can't be anabolic and catabolic at the same time. You can't be anabolic and catabolic at the same time. And when you're sick, you're catabolic. So looking at, looking at some of these cycles, you know, whether it's a micro, meso, or macro, 
You know, you have to look at everything that's going on around you. So you adjust accordingly. And that's where that intuition comes in. So how do I divide up my personal champion school? How do I make myself a champion if that's your goal? Well, you divide up the year or half year into a, you know, sports preparation phase, um, the beginning of a selected sport phase, deeper training of the selective sport, and then sports mastery. Um, that's what the Russians say if you, if you want to uh, translate it. Um, I basically look at it one, two, three, and four. And you can run one in the background at all times. A lot of people call it GPP, general physical preparation. Conditioning is the old word from the 60s and 70s, if you uh, read Bill Starr. Um, but I like the word conditioning. So a conditioning phase can be running at all times in the background. So, you know, you can do that almost at any time. But conditioning is always going on in some type of phase, um, except right before um, the meat to get a little bit of rest, a little extra rest. But um, the, se the second phase is where you start, and this is, this is for a multi-year or the year itself, where you just focus on the lifts. So in your phase two, if you're doing bench squat and deadlift, well, you're still doing bench squat and deadlift, but this would be the time to experiment with sumo, different stance, different equipment, different belts, different squat suits. If you're raw, you're changing your stance and you're changing your grips. You're practicing different things. If you're a sprinter, um, you're practicing, you know, different ways to leave the blocks. If you're a swimmer, you're, you're practicing the strokes you are terrible out at. Um, you know, if, if you can't do a, uh, you know, a brush stroke or a fly to save your life, this is where you practice it. Yeah, it's going to be, you know, a little bit humbling and you're going to look klutzy, but the idea is to train the nervous system. We have another fancy word for it in the West because we can't just call it a preparation stage two. You know, we call it cross training. So this is where you would do a little cross training. Um, you know, if you're a power lifter, you're doing a lot of jumps. You're doing a lot of different things like this. Um, the third stage is where you're actually doing the lifts the way you're going to do them in the contest, but you're not pushing for a contest. So you're about, oh, you know, four or five months out from a contest. And what you would start doing is zoning in on your technique. So you would focus a hundred percent on technique. Um, you know, you're not focused. Yeah, you could set your schedule, and I set schedule 60, 70, 80%, but the weight's heavy enough that you have to focus on technique, but not enough to strain and drain your central nervous system. It's not stressful. It's enough to feel the weight where you have to do the lift correctly. Why do you focus on that? Because as we go into the preparation stage, you don't want to be thinking about form. Form should be automatic. I was at the gym last night talking to a state champion, and uh, another world champion was talking to this kid lifting, young kid, uh, college kid. And uh, he, he was basically, you know, throwing the weights around until he got four. His top deadlift was, say, it was 580. And he's throwing the weights around, muscling up bad form until he got to three, four, five hundred pounds. And we, uh, me and this other world champion kind of berated him a little bit and said, look, you're in the gym. You're taking the time out. 135 should look exactly the same as 500. 
speed, everything. It should look almost the same. What you want to do is train your nervous system so when you're under stress or when you're under competition environment that it's automatic. For runners, it's the same thing. Don't be sloppy. Your technique has to be really good. Your breathing, your movement, everything. Train as if you're at the national championships every single day. Train as if you're at the world championships every single day. And this phase two, right before you get into um, contest or meet or Olympics um, preparation, that is where you start to see, well, you know, my form's a little bad here. Maybe I can correct this. So the goal is when you're correcting this form and, you know, phase two of your programming, there's not the stress of, oh, my, I got three weeks to go before a contest and I'm trying something new. That's all cleared up before you start your final phase or your meat preparation or your master. They call it sports mastery in uh, Russia. But that last phase, that last eight, 12, 16 weeks, uh, many people can tolerate 16 weeks. I certainly can't. But that last phase is where you're going heavy, your form's already good, and, you know, that is where you run your percentages to get up to 105 or 110% of your last max. It's PR time. Now, understand that after that contest, you take a week off, and then you start again. Preparation, you go through some general conditioning, and then you're back into working form again. That is the difference of what the Russians did every single time. After an Olympic game, they would give the athletes a week or two off, and then they start again this whole wind-up to the world championships. And they would go through the same phases again, cleaning up technique. Because what it took the West a while to learn is that we are dynamic, changing humans. We are dynamic, changing creatures. So every time you go through a training cycle, you get a new injury. The nervous system throws in, oh, now you're pronating a little bit. So now you're supinating. So you're going to catch those things in a new phase. Your body changes every single time you go through these phases of training. Your nervous system adapts and changes for the good and sometimes for the, the bad. You can't go back to the same routine and expect it's going to work the same way year in, year out. That is the biggest thing about creating your own champion school. And in the next podcast, we'll go through some of the different uh, specifics of a multi-year, micro, meso, and macro cycles. This is Dr. Fred Clary, and thank you for listening to another FACT podcast.